0: You can find answers to these questions and more in our latest report, which you can download at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano. Welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. In this episode, I'll be talking with Bill Keen, founder and CEO of Keen Wealth Advisors, as well as best-selling author and co-host of the Keen on Retirement podcast. Bill was previously on this podcast several times, and we will link to those episodes in the show notes. He's talked about retirement for engineers, financial planning, and also just thinking about how the stock market will affect your retirement. Well, we've had such a positive response to Bill being on the show that we've asked him to come back on, and in today's episode, he's going to talk about some of the myths that are out there about working with engineers, How engineers can better understand how to make sense of the stock and bond markets and how engineers can maximize benefits and minimize taxes with company plans like 401ks and ESOP plans. Now, I want to just say real quickly, I'm an engineer and now I'm doing, of course, learning and development for engineers through the Engineering Management Institute. But previously, I worked as an engineer at a consulting firm. And I know that as engineers and technical professionals, we are so in the details and focused on our projects day after day. And I've talked to engineers that'll just look up and all of a sudden 5, 10, 20 years go by and they haven't thought much about their retirement or their own personal financial future. And that's why we like to do episodes from time to time like this one on the Engineering Career Coach. We've had a couple on real estate investing. We've had Bill on a few times and really it just gives you a chance to try to consider your own personal well-being, and I hope that you'll take what Bill talks about in the episode today and apply it in your own life. With that, let's jump right in with Bill Keen.
1: All
0: right, now I'd like to welcome our guest on for today, or welcome him back to the show, Bill Keen, founder and CEO of Keen Wealth Advisors. He's also the author of the book, Keen on Retirement, Engineering the Second Half of Your Life. Bill, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Anthony. It's uh, just a privilege to be uh, on again to your show. I believe this is uh, number four.
0: Yeah, you've been on quite a few times and we always appreciate it. And for those listeners that maybe haven't caught any of those episodes yet, maybe you can give them a, just a quick intro for yourself. I
1: operate what's called a registered investment advisor. And really the short version of that is we help folks think through their retirement planning issues, their financial planning issues. We are what's called a fiduciary. So we're not selling any specific product. We're more consultative in nature, but we do help folks think through what's their objective with their resources, with their dollars, and what are they working toward in their lives And we look at things like tax and how things are titled, wills and trusts, but really building wealth, thinking that through as folks get started in in their careers and working toward a time in their life where they can ultimately at some point retire and then making sure that they handle their wealth in a way that they don't lose it, that it lasts the rest of their life. So many folks, including myself, started with nothing and can't even believe that at some point in the future, we could be independently wealthy or be able to retire and live on what we've accumulated. It's very possible. The nuance in my uh, practice or our firm is that we deal with engineers. We have a, a very highly specialized niche in the engineering community nationwide. So we're grateful to have learned about how engineers think, what they expect, how they operate their lives, how they operate their projects in their career path, and how we can take some of those strengths and play that into how they are strong in their personal retirement plans as well. And also know some of the weaknesses that might exist as well and help them avoid some of the dangers and, and weaknesses that that they might be uh, suspect to as well. So I think uh, it's a really great place to be. I've got, um, including myself, we have 14 financial advisors here at the firm. Most are either CFPs or credential advisors are on the track to be that. We have CPA as well. And so we have a lot of fun with uh, advising engineers on at all stages of their journey.
0: Just knowing Bill and from a couple of his last interviews that his path to the financial world was born out of kind of some family struggles early on when he was a kid in terms of finances, which I always think is is admirable because it talks about someone's passion behind what they do and why they do what they do. And so I know Bill that that's always been a big motivating factor for you.
1: It has. I you know I remember when I was 10 or 11, you know, my father had a hard time keeping work, my parents were divorced, I lived with him, we lived in a small apartment and I remember waiting for his unemployment check to come in, you know, each uh, I think they came in monthly and the stress and anxiety around resources and not having enough cash. We know that money doesn't buy happiness per se. Like we talk about that generally but here's what I do know for sure. And now I've been in practice in, this, in the industry for over 30 years. I can tell you uh, that you cannot be your, the best version of yourself to your family, your colleagues at work, to your clients, to your community, if you're riddled with strife and anxiety. Like it's impossible around money because we live in a material world and we have to have some resources to exist to pay our bills. There was actually a study done, and I talked about it in my book. They've determined, they put a number on how much we'll buy happiness. And depending on where you are in the country, it's somewhere between sixty and seventy five thousand dollars a year of income, actually buys happiness. And really, what they're telling us is that it it helps us get our bases covered. And from there, money doesn't buy happiness. But to a point, it sure as heck helps. But for me, I'm about the regular man or woman that starts out with very little and empowering them to take personal responsibility, to build the life intentionally uh, for themselves and their families to be able to become independently wealthy. And I say that independently wealthy, it sounds so hoity-toity, but it's not. It means you have enough money at some point in the future that that money serves you. You can live off that for the rest of your life. And that's just how I've dedicated my life and professional career to. That's why we do the podcast. That's why I'm appearing on yours. That's why I have mine. We write the books. It gets me up in the morning. I'm just grateful to have that inspiration.
0: You mentioned that you work a lot with engineers. Can you talk to us about some of the myths out there about working with engineers or the engineering mindset?
1: In Kansas City, we have quite a few engineering firms. And so I'm headquartered in Overland Park, Kansas, which is the greater Kansas City area. And we have the Black and Veatch headquarters here. We have the Burns and McDonald headquarters here. I uh, recently had the CEO of Henderson and the CMO, the CFO, by the way, Henderson Engineers, who's headquartered here in Kansas City on, on my podcast, Keen on Retirement. There's other hubs here of engineering firms as well. So really an interesting engineering kind of a network here right in Kansas City. But I think what a lot of folks believe about engineers, and I can speak from my industry at least when I'm speaking to other colleagues at conferences around the country, a lot of folks think that engineers are difficult to work with, that engineers might be too picky or that they're so smart that they're going to be obsessive on things. They're going to come in with their myriad of spreadsheets and they're going to be too questioning or to have too high of standards. Just difficult to work with, uh, indecisive, maybe over analytic. And I'm going to call that those myths because, and it's not that there aren't some, but I would say that those select way against the average. Your typical engineer Is someone who is actually just very thoughtful. Yes, are they smart? Of course, they're very smart. You have to be smart and dedicated and uh, committed to even get into the engineering community, to get the degrees, to get the credentials, to practice your profession. But really, engineers are very, they're relationship oriented. They also love consulting because they've sold their brains their whole career. They, people paid them for their expertise outside of their field of expertise. So, When an engineer gets to the point of knowing, hey, I'm not an expert in this financial advisory, this financial management, this building wealth, I'm going to seek help, and I'm not afraid to engage with a professional that understands it. So they're not afraid to delegate, which is really, really cool too. Do they have high standards? Of course they have high standards. But if you can operate as a professional to their standards, you can do very well for yourself. In fact, I'm a pilot. So I'm a checklist-driven, process-oriented person. So we've created processes and checklists here at our firm. I think our engineering clients just absolutely love because they know we have a process we're going through. This isn't just some firm winging it. So in my opinion, engineers' networks are deep. They're usually folks that are usually grateful and humble on most days, people that are committed to the long term, that are hard workers, that live within their means, which is also important. People that live within their means, most engineers are not out overspending. They're willing to look at a plan and stay within the confines of the plan. And so those myths that I talked about, hey, let all the other financial advisors think those are true because I love our engineering clients. I'm very, uh, very grateful for the folks that we work with.
0: That's great. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of skill sets and characteristics of engineers that help us to be able to you know, understand finance, process finances. Obviously, it's great to have an expert like yourself to guide us through it, but it's nice to be able to process it. And we're currently in the midst of high inflation, higher interest rates, and kind of a prolonged bear market here. And these things are all over the news, all over the headlines. So how are you dealing with this environment with your engineering clients, Bill?
1: So great to be back on your program after my prior appearances, because the first appearance that I made with you, the first edition of the book had just come out, and we had a, a real nice chat generally about the book and about financial independence and about the planning that goes along with and the investments that fund the plan and how I see folks get to a point of being able to be in uh, a position of retirement if they want. Some don't. COVID had not happened yet. And uh, you had me back on right in the midst of COVID. And some of the principles that I talked about on that first episode were coming right into play when we were back on. And I, I actually personally went back and watched that episode because I learned a lot from – I call these video diaries that we're creating. So you and I right now are creating a video diary and you've done this your whole, all the videos and all the podcast episodes you have out there, me as well. I've got about seven years worth of my own keen on retirement. You can see what we were saying. You can see what we were thinking. You can see how we were responding in times that were uh, questionable, that were scary. So we talked about getting through the midst of that COVID in the depth. I did your podcast in, I believe it was March of 2020. It had just everything had just hit, things were shut down. and we talked about some of the things that that we would want to stay the course and not be afraid, not make emotional knee-jerk reactions. came back on again with you uh, to talk about the election that was coming up. There's a ton of emotion around uh, major elections, folks maybe abandoning their investment if based on who gets elected, those types of things, we tried to put that at bay. And then here we are today now, the COVID correction, the COVID crash, if you will, that we talked about, it was very quick, and we recovered very quick. So it was like the quickest recession we had ever seen in the history of our country, and it rebounded faster than it's ever rebounded also. We entered 2022 with all the cash awash, and you, you might recall, you were concerned. You asked some very valid questions about all the money the government was printing to get us through COVID. Like, what the heck is going on here? You said, what about inflation? So you were predictive about what might happen with all this money being printed. And now here we come into 2022. And then, you know, now we're in 23, but the year of 2022, we saw the inflation come home to roost. We saw the S&P market, the broad market down about 26% at the low. And we saw the NASDAQ market down about 36% at the low, uh, give or take. So that's where we see the market goes from all-time highs and it goes into what we call a bear market. That's when it goes down 20% or more, and it pulls off from those highs, and then we're in a bear market. So right now we're in a bear market. It's not until we determine that it hit a bottom and it goes back up to all-time highs again, where we do, we see it, what we call the bull market. And I'm gonna share some data with you about the length and the depth of bear and bull markets for our audience today. I think it's gonna be very impactful. You know, your question is, how am I working with people? And I recapped our prior episodes because I think it's important to learn. There's wisdom even in our short three-year journey together, to capture and learn from. And the thing that's most important, no matter what's going on in the capital markets with interest rates, inflation, and the stock market, bear market, the bull market, it's we. everybody shares the same goal, I believe. We have one goal that we share, and that's that someday we hope we want to know that we could retire if we wanted to. So we want to look up and say, we did what we needed to do as, as young people, and then not so young people (laughs) to look up and have enough money saved along with other resources and assets that we have that work becomes optional. So I believe we all share that. And to do that, you have to have a financial plan. So there's no way of getting out of it. It would be just like starting a project without blueprints saying, well, we're just going to wing this. We're not even going to bid this appropriately. We're going to guess on the bid and then we're going to just start building. I mean, we know that can't happen. It's not going to end well. So knowing that a financial plan is a must, every one of our engineer clients has a financial plan that we go back to in times like this. We're constantly evolving that financial plan with statistical modeling and showing that, look, you're at a point now, even our retired clients, if they're set up appropriately, these are nothing but opportunities. These down, these pullbacks in the market are opportunities if they're established right. And for young people, this is an opportunity to continue to um Add more shares cheaper to actually increase 401k contributions to understand the rules around your company plans and to lean into the downturn as opportunistic, not let it scare you out of doing what's right.
0: We do a lot of project management training for engineering companies. And one of the things that, and this may be a helpful analogy for our listeners is when you have a project you're going to manage, you want to have a project management plan, also known as a PMP, which kind of outlines everything about the project, who you're going to communicate with, the stakeholders, et cetera. And that's kind of similar to like a financial plan, right? Like everyone should have a financial plan without a financial plan. How do you know how to navigate things? Same thing, Bill's a pilot, same thing as a flight plan. You can't go on a flight without a flight plan, right? So I think as engineers, we can gravitate to that because we know when we're managing our projects, we need a project management plan. So you know if you're trying to oversee your own finances, whether you're at a firm level or individually, it's good to have a sound financial plan. And just like a project management plan, it has to be dynamic because things are going to change. Things always change. And as the leader, you need to then adjust that plan going forward. And I think that that's just from my experience of working with Bill, I know him and his team are very focused on not just creating the right plan, but then updating it and you're right, right, you're meeting with your clients, meeting with these firms and saying, hey, where are we at today? Because it's different than 12 months ago. Let's see what adjustments we can make.
1: That's right, and you are different. Your thoughts, your vision on the future may have changed as well. So all this is very dynamic. And hey, thank goodness! It would be a really boring life if it, we didn't have to update things and things didn't change. I think it would be important. You mentioned the PMP and, and the plans. Just to give a quick update on how what is a financial plan like? It's easy to say that, but what should it include, and how do you think about it? So the first thing I will I want someone to do when they think about their own personal financial plan is first off take it seriously because nobody else will. It's on you to be personally responsible for your plan. And it's easy to think, well, that's so far down the road, I'll do it later. But please, I ask you not to think about putting this off. But look at yourself like a project or even like a business and look at your balance sheets. The first place to start is looking at your balance sheet. What are your current assets? And you can do this on a spreadsheet. What are your current assets, your home, your car, your, your assets that you would give value to? And then what are your current debts? Just kind of take a look at that. If you're just getting started out and you have a home mortgage or car loans, it's okay. Just put it out on paper and get a what we call a net worth. Current assets minus current debts. What's left? Hopefully, there's something. And if not, we're going to work on that to get some of that debt paid down and build some wealth. But you have a starting point. You have what we call a net worth. And that's a measure important. I like to say what gets measured gets done, and what doesn't get measured never gets done, in my opinion. It's by accident, and that doesn't happen very often. So then we want you to look at your income statement. I'm, I'm talking about this like a business, but this is your personal life. What is your current income, and what is your current expenses? So what's coming in and what's going out? And yes, you look at your paycheck stubs. What are you clearing after taxes? After you're saving, after health insurance, so forth. And then what are you spending money on? And you need to get aware of that. So again, nobody's going to do this for you. This is on you to do this. And even if you have to back it up and do something that might seem very elementary to some of you, but that would be to, to look at every penny that you spend. So really document it. Uh, some people do this already. I do have some engineering clients that do this already uh, by nature. They've just done it their whole life, but they look at where every dollar, every penny goes. So they're aware of what they're spending because we can get really unaware. In some cases, we don't want to know, kind of like we don't want to know what the calories are when we go to eat at a restaurant. I don't like it when they put those on the menu because it makes me feel guilty. But in this case, we want to know what we're spending because we can't make a beginning until we know what reality is. Those are two things that are very important. And then we want to consider the levers for a financial plan, a current assets, our savings amount, what we're able to save, our time until we want to be financially independent or able to retire at some point in the future, what those income needs might be at that point. And it could be really hard to understand that if you're 30 years out or more, but starting to think about it is powerful. And then what would the life expectancy be for you and your spouse if you have a spouse? And then what would the investment return be over time? Like these are the levers, these are the inputs around beginning to formulate a real plan that you're looking at for the future. And of course, you're going to have things in before retirement, such as buying homes and taking vacations and putting kids through college and buying cars, things like that. We work those in as well. But I'm just trying to give you and your audience, Anthony, like a baseline for getting their mind around what this looks like to make a beginning.
0: No, I think it's great. And I love the whole thing you talked about with the, you know, looking at your net worth and just looking at your expenses. I know I did this a couple of years back. And my wife and I have three kids. And it's like, if we go to a restaurant once a week on the weekend, we're spending a hundred plus dollars to go out to the restaurant with five people. You do that once a week, you're spending $500 minimum a month at $6,000 a year, right? So- When you start to look at these things, you kind of can make some adjustments and start to save some real money. And, you know, we try to be frugal here. We drive Hondas, they're paid off, things like that. But at the end of the day, you want to have a plan so you're monitoring those things so that you can figure out the best ways to kind of build wealth over time. And, you know, one of the things that we could jump to and talk a little bit about, Bill, is maximizing benefits and minimizing taxes for engineers with company plans like 401ks and ESOP plans and stuff like that. And I think that that's something that's very relevant because I think most of our listeners probably have one of those benefits available to them with the companies they work for. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how they might approach that or what they should know as the individual with these plans potentially out there for them.
1: You're going to laugh, but I had run a calculation before our show today. And you know that $500 a month that you just talked about spending on uh, eating out? Yeah. $500 per month at 9%, which is a little bit less than the long-term average of the stock market. I know sometimes it feels like it doesn't make much or it goes down like this year, but the average has been 10% long-term. $500 a month at 9% for 30 years is $915,000. You're on the way to that to being that uh, multimillionaire there just by that $500 a month, a thousand a month is 1.8 million. So some very powerful numbers there, we just get started. So the benefits are so important to understand. And this is a place where one of the downfalls, I said at the start of the program, that there's, we harness the opportunities and the strengths of our engineering clients. We really try to help them harness that for their financial planning. But there are also areas where I see them falling short. And one of those areas is they tend to be amazingly focused on their careers. And and their work ethic is unbelievable. A lot of them are working 78 hours a week. They don't go to 40 hours until later in their career when they go part-time, which is kind of funny. I'm going to go part-time, which equals 40 hours. I see that a lot in the big companies, at least. Um, Hopefully, we're getting away from some of that. But I see them not focusing on their personal financial plans as much as they do their jobs, their work. Also their health too, by the way, I see a lot of folks not wait till too late to focus on their health. So, you know, not, this isn't a health program, but I would consider and recommend folks look at their health, not when they retire, but now we don't want to be the person that got lung cancer from smoking that decided to stop smoking after the diagnosis. And that's the same thing for financial planning, but digging in with wherever you are employed, if you're self-employed, there might be folks out there that are self-employed engineers. It might not be the, the majority, but there are retirement plans that you can look at, SEP accounts, simple accounts. These are names the IRS gives to be able to put money away. And in most cases, it's going to be pre-tax dollars. If you work for a big firm, you likely have what's called a 401k. That's just a tax code in the IRS, but it's become almost like a, saying Coke or Xerox, a 401k means your retirement plan at work. And it allows you to put money aside before taxes come out of your income. There's some new rules this year. Uh, they've raised the amount you can put away, up to 22500 for anybody to put in that 401k pre-tax. And then your company likely has a match that would go in on top of that. Now, some companies also allow you to put money in after taxes. And you can put in, well, no- north of 60000 total, the $22,500 would be pre tax the additional would be after tax if your company allows it. Now, you might be saying, Bill, come on now. You're talking some big numbers here. We don't have that much to put away. I'm just giving you what's available. So some of these 401ks also have what are called Roth options. In fact, most do. The Roth option says you don't get a tax deduction up front, but the money grows tax free forever. And that could be a very powerful mechanism. Now, ideally, you would max your 401k, And we would determine, we would help folks determine based on their income and if if they're married, their spouse's income, should they do the 401k pre-tax or should they do the Roth or some combination? And then also, ideally, you would do Roth IRAs or some sort of investment, but Roths are so powerful outside of the 401k as well. And and those limits are 6,500 this year. If you're over 50, you can put an extra 7,500 also, by the way, into your 401ks. So you can get up to the thirty grand pre-tax in a four hundred and one k. Those are called catch-up provisions, and on the Roths, you can put a, a thousand more in those as well. So those are called catch-up provisions. These are things you you have to know about and think about. How am I going to do this? And for a, a company, a lot of the engineering firms, architectural firms, construction firms, a lot of engineering firms have what are called ESOP plans, employee stock ownership plans. And I didn't know if you wanted me to talk about that a little bit today or not, Anthony.
0: Bill, I think we're probably going to have you to do a whole episode on that, quite frankly, because I've listened to your episode on it. I know there's a lot of things we can cover, but if you're a subscriber to the podcast, be aware that we're going to have Bill on and do a whole episode on ESOPs. And we're actually going to go on LinkedIn and ask for some questions, Bill, from engineers and their firms on ESOPs so we can kind of do it as a very relevant Q&A for you and you can really speak to the needs and questions of our community on ESOPs specifically.
1: I look forward to that i've seen a lot of firms with esops a lot of wealth being created a lot of lives really changed because of the power of an esop plan so we'll hold that thought if you have the opportunity to be invested in an esop um, know that it's an amazing amazing opportunity for you and your family to be an employee owner and to build wealth for you uh, later in life and it's something that you don't have to put any of your own money into so if you have an esop that does not mean don't do what i just said around the 401k and ross Okay, I'll leave you with that for now. Continue to take responsibility for your own situation, save money, the ESOP, consider it just a bonus, and we'll go from there at the next episode.
0: I want to go back to your book for a second, Keen on Retirement. The second edition came out. I've read the first edition, I just got the second edition. I want to learn about the updates from you here in a minute. But one of the things that I want to mention about the book is, is, I think the world of retirement can be very confusing for a working engineer who's not going to retire for 20, 30, whatever years, right? So it's hard to understand how saving now, what we need to do now. And one thing that I really like about Bill's book is he just breaks things down very practically and very simple and takes you through the different avenues, maybe the different, some of the financial tools that are out there and available to help you kind of think about building wealth over the long term. And so Bill, what I'd like you to do is just quickly give us an update on what was, I guess, new in the second edition.
1: A couple of things that I added. First, we went through, you said earlier, these things are, they evolve, that we have to continue to update our finan- personal financial plans. So true. Well, I had to update my book as well because it was three years old. And just shortly after uh, the book published in 2019, some tax laws changed that were meaningful enough that I felt I needed to go back and refresh the the book based on current tax law around IRAs and some of the things that we discuss. The other thing that happened though, is that we had just came through a global pandemic we hadn't seen for a hundred years in our country. None of us would have ever obviously remembered what that was like from a hundred years ago. We could have read about the, the one at the turn of the century before, but we lived through something that deserved to be documented and discussed and to learn from the wisdom of all nav- having navigated through that. We lived through the, worst, the quickest recession we'd ever been through and deepest and the quickest recovery. And um, we also had a lot of things coming at us that I would call... Flash in the pan in the book. What I mean by avoiding the next flash in the pan, which is the name of the title of the chapter, what I mean is avoiding fad investments, avoid getting sucked into get rich quick schemes. Now, I had this manuscript done before the FTX debacle happened. So I talk in this avoiding get rich quick schemes and avoiding the flash in the pan about we know what works long term. We know that a diversified portfolio of mostly stocks, when you're younger, will get you to your destination. We will have volatility over time. In fact, the market goes through a major correction about every five to seven years a major bear market. And then we have typically every year, we have about a 14% decline in, from peak to trough every year in the equity markets. I don't want people to be think that that's not normal. That's very normal. What we're going through right now in the equity markets is just garden variety normal. And it does nothing but give those that are still investing an opportunity to buy more shares cheaper. And I don't want to downplay the idea that we see our wealth temporarily decline, but it's important to understand that these market corrections that we go through, the bear markets, they are temporary corrections amongst the permanent advance. They're temporary. We're in a temporary decline as we go through this permanent advance. And one of the things I mentioned in there, Anthony, is to help people have perspective on it and not get caught up in the headlines of the day. Think about where the Dow was when you, the year you were born. So go back, I just, you know, when we get off here, people can go back and Google where the Dow or S&P was the year they were born. I can tell you that mine in 1968, not to date me, uh, the Dow was at about 800, and today it's at 34,000. This is going to date me even more, but in 1950, when North Korea crossed the 38th parallel to actually invade South Korea, this is one 73-year-old person's lifetime, right? So this is like a person that's in retirement right now, a 73-year-old person, 73 years. Dow was at 200. Today, it's at 34,000. It's up 170 times, not 170%. I'm talking 170 times the markets are up. So here's why I'm giving you that history, because the power of the capital markets is so great, but most people are not trained on this. They don't train us in college and school, even the financial planning college, We recruit a lot of young people out of these colleges that have financial planning degrees now. They're not making the emphasis on, they do a great job. They do a great job. They have not prepared. But you get into the real world and you start realizing, Look, we go through these temporary declines in the markets. A lot of people get afraid. They sell their investments. They stop making 401k investments because they think their money's just evaporating. They haven't, no one's taken the time to sit back and, and have to look at the longer term approach of how the power of the capital markets. Like you live in the United States and you have a decent job and you have the ability to put money in these plans like we talked and, and participate in the capital markets in via ETFs and indexes and different investments, mostly stock when you're young. It would be impossible not to be a multimillionaire. If you just let it happen, you just didn't overthink it or get sucked into these schemes, I call them, these flash in the pans. And I wanted to talk to your listeners uh, today about what do you think a flash in the pan or a, a get rich quick thing would be? Well, let's look at who advertised in 2022 Super Bowl. So about a year ago or so, based on the time we're recording this, Anthony, do you have any idea who might have, what? where I'm going with this?
0: Kind of, but I'll let you go through it.
1: We have to avoid, we have to resist the urge to get sucked into what we think is hot. And I mentioned when I first started talking about this chapter that we wrote, talking about avoiding, I don't want to say that the Bitcoin and the digital currencies are completely worthless. Like, I think there's a place for the blockchain, the technology that's behind some of these things. But if you look at these assets that don't have earnings, they don't have any intrinsic value. It's just based on who's going to pay more for it later. We saw a massive meltdown we have this year in those areas. And we never, at KeenWealth, we never got sucked into it putting in client money into any digital currencies. And I haven't done it myself personally, just a, a full disclosure. But here's six of the companies that advertised in last year's Super Bowl, paid the six or $7 million for the 30 seconds. FTX was one. FTX is now down. We Most of your listeners probably realize the meltdown, the fraud that's been brought out, and we'll see how it plays out. 98%. So if you had invested in that, that advertisement you're down 98%. Coinbase was another. It's down 83%. Uh, They advertised in the Super Bowl. Carvana, which had a huge upturn as a result of COVID, but the company was mismanaged. Carvana is down 97%, in my opinion, ready to go bankrupt. Rocket Mortgage was another one. Rocket Mortgage online uh, thing. Interest rates were super low. Company mismanaged. It's down about 40% here through the early early January. And I could go on. Peloton and Zoom, a couple more companies that got completely crushed. It's interesting to see that those are the companies that are advertising, spending millions and millions of dollars to put themselves right in front of your face, tempting to want to go all in in one of those and try to make a shortcut. And shortcuts just are not for the long-term investor. There's, and it, it would just be like shortcutting a project or saying, well, let's use a little different steel. We don't need to use the steel that's required for this bridge. It's a lot cheaper to go a little bit less. It just doesn't work. And finally, Anthony, let me tell you, time passes quickly. I have a blog that I wrote that talks about why time speeds up as we get older. It doesn't speed up. I mean, of course it doesn't speed up, but why does it feel like it speeds up as we get older? We all say that, oh yeah, yeah, time really speeds up. Well, uh, time passes quickly. And I think we all would agree on that. And if we have our plan in place and we're not trying to take these shortcuts, we're not trying to do things outside our plan, we don't compromise our plan. We have a plan and we work the plan. Time now becomes your friend. The more time that passes, that's part of it. its discipline. It's the seed, the investment, and then time is what makes this thing work, much like planting a crop. But if you don't have your thing set up right, and you're constantly getting sucked into these, these offshoot investments, these get-rich-quick schemes that a lot of times just completely go poof, now all of a sudden time is your enemy. And you're going to look up and be my age, 54 or older, and say, wow, I wish I would have got my ducks in a row. And now I don't want to say it's, it's never too late to do the right thing, but you'll never get those 30 years back. So, you walk into a casino, the worst thing that can happen to you is you can win. You win at the casino. You think you've figured it out. Time is your enemy at the casino, even if you win early. Do you agree?
0: I agree with it. And I think that what you're saying is, and I think engineers would like to hear this is to build wealth, you need to have you know be consistent over time. You can't jump on. You can't follow every shiny target that pops up, right? I mean, you know, I know there's a lot more that goes into that than that, But the point being is that, There's a lot of stuff out there that we see. And, like, you know, it looks good to us. It looks good. It looks like, hey, that's like the sexy pick today. Let's go with this. Let's go with that. And I think the whole idea is is you need to have that financial plan, like Bill said earlier, which is going to help you stay focused on your goals and seek professional advice. I mean, listen, you wouldn't want someone to go do engineering on your house or a bridge without talking to an engineer, obviously. So, Why would we try to make important future financial decisions without talking to a financial expert, right? And I think that that's a big thing. And I think what I'd like to do here, Bill, to try to wrap us up for today is I know you have like five to seven quick hit actionable items that engineers can focus on financially. Can you kind of run through those as we wrap up?
1: I said earlier, treat your financial plan as serious as your work project put together an inspiring vision of your future that you are able to reverse engineer. Anthony mentioned going to a financial advisor. Unfortunately, there's lots of different variations of quality in financial advisor around the country. But if you do this yourself or find somebody, typically a fiduciary to help you do this, that's going to be the first step. The second step would be understanding your options wherever you're working and maximizing your retirement contribution. So I want you to live today. I want you to enjoy life today. If you strap yourself too much because you're saving too much, it's going to happen. It's going to be like coming off of a tough diet. You're going to say heck with it at some point and just throw in the towel and you might abandon the process. So I want you to find a middle ground on making sure you're maximizing it to a point and still enjoying life as we move through these levels. Six months of emergency reserve is going to be something I recommend for everybody, not only individuals, but companies. COVID unmasked a lot of individuals and companies, unfortunately, that didn't even have six months of emergency reserve. Look at what it takes to pay your bills monthly and have at least six months sitting at the bank. And with that in mind, call the bank and make sure today that you request they actually pay you an interest rate on your demand deposits there at the bank. Rates have risen since I've last been on the show. And we have short-term rates well over 3% now. So banks should be paying you on your bank balances. So a piece of advice I have for you today, most banks are not going to call you, in fact, none that I know of, and tell you, hey, rates have risen. We see we're only paying you 0.1% on your balances. We should be paying you three. They will not do that. It almost seems fraudulent to me that they should have to do that, but they do not. It requires you to reach out to them and say, hey, what's going on? Rates have risen. Pay me more on my bank balances. I would also say make sure your assets are titled correctly. And we can talk a little more about this maybe on a future episode. But if you're married, make sure you've got the beneficiaries set up correctly. If you have kids, the same thing. If you have a will or a trust, at least go in and make sure your assets are titled right and you have beneficiaries updated on your accounts if something were to happen to you. And finally, as wonderful as it is to auto invest in 401ks, that means money comes out before you see it. It's a very powerful, simple tool. It almost seems too simple. But for people of all wealth levels, having things come out automatically before you see the money is one of the most powerful tools ever. And so not only for your 401k, but also maybe for your Roth IRA or outside investments, setting up something automatically and then living on what's left each month is going to be an amazing tool for folks. Steer clear of fad investments. Stay in your lane and don't get sucked into things that aren't that compromise your long term plan. If you want to do something like that, maybe allocate four or 5%, 3% of your total assets to have some play money to learn, to try some things, but do not compromise your long term plan for something. I call them shiny objects and they will appear nonstop in your life.
0: Man, awesome advice there. We're going to take all of those points and put them into the show notes here on the engineering career coach podcast. So you can visit the episode show notes, go through them all. Once again, I want to thank Bill Keen. Again, Bill's the author of Keen on retirement. I'm thrilled to have him on as kind of our financial expert here. And also you can visit his website at keenwealthadvisors.com. There you can find his book. There you can find his blog. There you can find his podcast. Bill It's awesome always to have you on. We're grateful that you constantly give your time to the podcast, and we are definitely going to look to do that ESOP episode here in the next couple of months. So if you do have questions on ESOPs, you know where to find me on LinkedIn. You can message them to me. You can go to our website, engineeringmanagementinstitute.org, put them in, and we will get Bill to come back on here and share some more expertise around that important topic. Bill, couldn't thank you more. Thanks so much for coming back on again.
1: Anthony, you're very welcome. I did want to make an offer to your uh, viewers. I did this before, and you thought I was kind of crazy to do it, but I did it. I do have uh, the Keen on Retirement Engineering Second Half of Life, second edition. I'm willing to send those out to your audience at no cost. So um, I've done this in the past, and we had a ton of people that sent me notes, but it's just part of kind of my mission. I love what I do. And so I've got a, these were stocked. And if anybody would like a copy, a hardback copy, I'll personalize it for you. Send me an email at bkeen at keenwealthadvisors.com. And for Anthony's audience, just make sure you put uh, Anthony Pisano podcast. uh, You saw it there. My team will send one out to you at my expense. I just want to make that offer to you.
0: No, that's very generous, Bill. We appreciate that. I'm sure the listeners do, and hopefully we'll take advantage of it. And we look forward to having you back on the podcast once again very soon.
1: Thanks, Anthony. We'll talk soon.
0: I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Again, we switched it up a little bit, went into more a financial topic, personal finance. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. And please don't forget to check out all of our upcoming content by just clicking on the content button. We've got quite a few podcasts. We've also got a couple of YouTube channels dedicated to helping engineers receive their professional engineering license, how to pass the PE exam. And until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? how long should you allow employees to work remotely, and how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.